It's a god-awful small affair To the girl with the mousy hair I met the girl on Mary one day But her mummy is yelling no And her daddy has told her to go Listen, young lady But her friend is nowhere to be seen So how'd you become such a hotshot actor? I'm a showman. That's what I'm meant to do. To the seat with the clear Licorice is hard to spell. Lick o rice. Leak o rice. <laughs> oh goodness. All right. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Luck It Out Podcast. This is your host, Elias Roush. This podcast is sponsored by what did I say already? Let's do it again. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Lug It Out Podcast. This is your host, Elias Roush. This podcast sponsored EliasRoushRenia.com. Photo, video, digital media production. Today, tonight, right now, we are discussing licorice pizza. Lick O Rice Pizza. Directed by Paul Thomas Anderson, starring Alana Heim, Cooper Hoffman, yes, C Philip Seymour Hoffman's son. Um, we have Sean Penn, Tom Waits, and then a, we have Bradley Cooper and Benny Safdie. Cinematography by Michael Bauman and Paul Thomas Anderson. Johnny Greenwood, just talked about him on The Power of the Dog. He's got the music here. Um, editing by Andy Jerkson. And um, released November 26, 2021. Runtime of 132, sorry, 34 minutes. A little bit long for my taste. Budget of forty million, about the same as Power of the Dog, and um, yeah, it is uh, an American coming of age comedy drama film written and directed by Paul Thomas Anderson. Licorice Pizza was released in the United States in select theaters on November twenty sixth and had a wider release on December twenty fifth, twenty twenty one. The film received a claim acclaim for critics and received three nominations at the ninety fourth Academy Awards: Best Picture, Best Director, Best Original Screenplay. It also received three awards for the National Board of Review, including Best Film, named one of the best films of twenty twenty one by the American Film Institute, and received four nominations at the seventy ninth. Golden Globe Awards, including Best Motion Picture, Musical or Comedy, along with the eight nominations at the 27th Critics' Choice Awards, including Best Picture, where it won Best Comedy, and it also received five nominations at the 75th British Academy of Film Awards, and where it won Best Original Screenplay. It is also MGM's first fully produced, marketed, and distributed film to be nominated for Best Picture in 33 years, after 1988's Best Picture winner, Rain Man. It's interesting. We just talked about that. So, um, right off the top, there are two big things that are kind of weird about this movie that everyone's talking about. The age gap between these two will they, won't they uh, actors, not, not the actors, but the uh, the characters. Cooper Hoffman plays an actor. His his character is 15 in the movie, and Alana Haim, who's uh, known music artist um she plays a 25 year old and so there is tons and tons of um 
articles, videos, media, people kind of reacting like, what the fuck is going on? Are y'all, are y'all like awarding this movie for having like some sort of weird pedophilia uh, plot line? Like what is going on? Why is, why is this happening? Um, honestly, I watched the movie and the majority of the time I was, was mostly uncomfortable with the, the will they, won't they of it all. I was like, I don't think I want to root for this considering the age gap it's 10 year age gap and not legal on top of that but the weirdest thing is without even spoiling it it's literally it's basically the opener of the movie is stating that fact so it this movie kind of continuously does that it's like one of those movies where it brings up a problem she's like alana heim's character is being pursued by cooper hoffman's character at the he's 15 she's 25 completely different parts in their life but he's persistent and i'm not saying it's right but it's it's not unknown for a young man to have you know a, a dream crush on you know on an adult um but he is barely a teenager in this movie and to think about roles reversed is you know People would have a completely different reaction, in my opinion. I do feel like there's a little bit of sexism going on with the awards, giving all these this awards to this. But Paul Thomas Anderson, big uh, critical darling, um, with the Oscars and all the nominations he's gotten, and you know everyone knows about you know the master with Philip Seymour Hoffman and um, you know Boogie Nights and the Phantom Thread and the dude has a hell of a resume. People like his movies, and I, I totally understand it. I, I watched the the Master not too long ago, and I was I was pretty blown away. It was one of the more slow moving, hangout type movie. You know, hanging out type movies. Some of them, some of his movies are more uh, plot driven, such as, uh, in in my opinion, didn't he do uh, There Will Be Blood as well? That was him, right? see but da, 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 da. did he do what there will be blood yeah there will be blood that's one of the best movies i've ever seen um uh, daniel day lewis in 2007 so his his movies far and few between he's actually done some music videos as well i, have, I don't have them in front of me but um what does he directed he directed Hard Eight ninety six, Boogie Nights ninety seven, Magnolia ninety nine, Punch Drunk Love o two, There Will Be Blood o seven, The Master twenty twelve, Inherent Vice, which I hear is one of his most the hardest movies to get through. Inherent Vice, I think I've heard it's just immensely slow. Um, I'm not sure if I want to put myself through that yet. Um, he also created 2017's Phantom Thread. And directed uh, Licorice Pizza last year in 2021. So he has like he kind of skips like four or five years every time he makes a movie. Um, after about Punch Drug Glove, so when he comes out with something, people usually stand up and you know keep an eye on or you know take a look at what he's got to offer. And so yeah, the age gap is fucking weird. I know that this is kind of like loosely based off of. Um, the lives of real individuals, but it, 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 Sam, the problems this movie has 
easily could have been fixed in either an edit, a cut, or just changing the numbers. Yes, Cooper Hoffman appears to be older than a 15-year-old, but he still has acne, acts like it, uh, very much in the realm of being a teenager. But Alana Himes, well into her mid-20s, 25, should know damn well better than this. And it's addressed. She's like one of the first lines she says is like, that's illegal. Um, and so I don't really understand why why they decided to go this route. They easily could have changed the numbers. They could have aged them up just a little bit, two, three years. Make it not a weird subject to talk about. But um, with saying that, there is. And now the other thing that people are talking about before we get into the spoilers and talk about the plot and everything, um, the other weird thing is kind of the mild racism that's going on in this movie. It's... There is a scene, I I don't even think this is a spoiler in my opinion, there's not one scene, but there are two scenes um, with two characters, with a specific character, I don't have his name right in front of me, um, he's a comedian, but uh, he, let me see, I, I bet it's not even in the, the plot, honestly. So anyways, um, there's this character that is kind of obsessed he's not really obsessed but he's all of his wives happen to be japanese and they're doing this scene where this is the kind of the controversial scene they're doing this scene where this character is talking in like a stereotypical um japanese slur slurred kind of voice you know when back in the 90s and even 80s when people would make fun of uh people of asian descent people of japanese descent they would they would do the kind of the fu manchu kind of uh stereotype type thing talking with an english slash very rough asian aesthetic accent very it's hurtful for one thing to kind of even bring that up but what are, they're bringing it up in a way that is like are are we making fun uh, it, what is the joke is the thing and so when he's this husband is talking to his wife and his wife does not speak english in this he's speaking in that very very stereotypical uh Asian or slash Japanese slurred way of speaking. And they are two scenes that are immensely unnecessary to the movie. So I don't understand what the deal is with the movie deciding, all right, well, uh, let's have a little of this, you know, statutory pedophilia stuff going on. And then a splash of, radical racism and we're not going to really call attention to it in the fact of like correcting the characters and saying that's wrong but we're actually going to kind of lean into it and maybe double down and so i haven't seen too many articles or too many things that have kind of explained this away at all like why he decided to do this but um i was like these are unnecessary 
to the plot. It's unnecessary to the foundations, the foundation of the movie of why they even need to be in there. So that was a little bit dismaying, just coming off the, the blunt of the brunt of, uh, finishing the movie. But, uh, other than that, let's talk about the movie putting those two things aside. I know those are kind of massive things. They're going to be like, well, well now I definitely don't want to watch the movie, or now i got to see the movie. It's, it, might, it might be a an either-or kind of thing. But with saying that, I can see the value and why some people would find this, you know, uh, you know, really a critical darling. You know, it's, it's one of those movies where, uh, the, like I said, the takes are extra long. We're, we're all up in the pores of the faces of the actors. They really, it's a, it's an actor's movie where they just really have to bring their all kind of put it all on the table. Um, the actors of Alan, uh, Alana Haim and, um, Cooper Hoffman, you know, despite the weird age difference and age gap, you know, and him trying to act a little older than he is and her kind of trying to find her place in the world and maybe exploring herself with a younger individual. Um, unfortunately, he's way too damn young, um, but kind of ha- wanting that freedom. I saw that, you know, I saw the connection of why they would probably eventually want to get together um, or maybe hang out in a, in a more flirtatious way. Um, but honestly, the majority of this movie is not so much a will they, won't they, because over half the movie, she is kind of doing her own thing. And, you know, without going into any spoilers yet, it's not so much of a romantic comedy as probably a lot of people are going to think it is. You know, it's, oh, it's a big hangout movie, like, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, um, it does have that, you know, old school aesthetic to it, you know, as PTA likes to shoot in, um, likes to have like the seventies is very upfront. Um, but I was, uh, you know, early seventies for this and, uh, LA, I, I think the aesthetic, the direction, the majority of it works really well, but a lot of people are going to say this is like a series of vignettes like this. There's a couple of scenes with them together and then they'll move into a further time period in a little bit more time. And throughout the majority of the movie, it's not so much like he's trying to completely woo her. Cooper Hoffman's, they become more or less like business associates and it almost becomes toxic in the way that, uh, uh, Gary Valentine is the, uh, the character's name, the, the 15 year old boy, it almost becomes toxic because he still really likes this girl the entire time. They're kind of making these businesses. It's, it's like one thing about this movie, I thought it was going to be, you know, a will they, won't they, you know, but it's really not so much that it's like, it's like they won't. So in the only way that they can really hang out in a way that, I guess would make sense is that they start, you know, building these businesses and ideas of, you know, selling waterbeds and pinball machines and all this other random shit. And, you know, Gary Valentine, he's a hustler. I mean, he's not like a bad hustler, but like he hustles to make, make his nut. He he really is a hard worker. And I, I think that Alana uh, Himes character sees that in him and you can definitely see the drive 
you can see why they would be, you know, kind of attracted to one another. They kind of fill in different gaps of their personalities. Um, I, I, you know, I wish that the age difference was, uh, was proper and you didn't have to like think about like, damn it, I really don't want them to get together because Gary is a really fucking young guy. But you see things about this, this movie or, you know, these aspects, it's almost broken up in like 40 minute, uh, crunches of like, all right, so this is the first act, second act, third act. And almost every act, there's a new guy that is trying to hit on, um, hit on uh alana kane and the thing is it feels like gary is being jealous you know he's so fucking jealous of these uh these guys that are going on dates with her and stuff like that and it's it's not him and i was like wow this was not where i expected the movie to go and then at the you know waiting for the very end, you know, is it going to happen? Is it going to happen? It's like, do you even want it to happen at that point? That's the, that's the whole thing. It's like the majority of the movie, I feel like he's more or less kind of, he starts off so high minded and, you know, enthusiastic about it that at the end, regardless if they get together, does it even make sense emotionally? And so that's kind of the movie wrapped up without going into too many spoilers. You can't really spoil this movie nearly as much. Like I said, it is wrapped up in a will-they-won't-they. But overall, they're just going through these businesses together and these endeavors. And really, it's the boy is fawning over the girl. And so... Um, yeah, there's, there are issues with this movie. I think the pacing is entirely too long, but I, I just looked at some of Paul Thomas Anderson's movies and they're all like two, what feel like two and a half hours each. I saw, I think Magnolia is almost three hours, if not, if not it already. Um, but yeah, I was mixed bag at best with this movie. Uh, you can go on Lucky Dog Podcast Twitter and you can see all my tweets about this movie and other Oscar movies that we've talked about. And it's a good resource to kind of get our hot initial takes. And uh, yeah, this movie, it I didn't watch it before I made my top 10, but it would not have made my top 10. Um, I saw some people that were absolutely loathing this movie. Some people were disappointed in it. And then on the other spectrum, I saw people that were like, this is the best thing I've ever seen. And so I think it really depends on how much you're willing to kind of overlook the weird age gap, the slight racism, some of the, um, just some of the scenes just felt like kind of unnecessary. And it, it it's like this movie could have been a lot better in my mind, not it, nothing, nothing due to the uh, the actors or the director, because I think the cinematography, I think the music, all, all of it works on very high high level cylinders. But it's the the editing for me. It's the editing for me that really kind of brings this movie down. Not the specific editing of like transitioning scenes or anything like that, but the editing of what they chose to keep in versus what they chose to keep to take out. Um, the Japanese stereotypical stuff, those characters could have been completely taken off of the movie. You would not have known. 
Um, there are a couple lines of, you know, them stating their age. If you would have told me that they were closer in age, that I would have believed that too. Cause they, you know, like I said, Hoffman looks older than 15 and I think he's 18 in real life, but, um, Alana Kane looks like she could be in her early twenties. You know, they could have fixed some of the age gap weirdness in this. Um, but they just blatantly decided not to. I don't. I really don't understand why. And maybe it's just to, to be in the conversation and be talked about. Um, I think that's a little bit bizarre, but you know that I guess that could happen. So, like I said, it's not a thankless movie. I think that a lot of people are going to be really harsh on it because of those things that we talked uh, talked about off the top um, that could have been fixed. The thing is, it's acted so well. I think it. Some people actually weren't crazy about uh, Geeking with James Hancock absolutely loathed um, Cooper Hoffman's performance. I did not loathe it at all. I thought the kid was pretty charismatic, to be honest. Um, I don't think he evokes the same kind of charisma that um, Philip Seymour Hoffman, but he has uh, he does have an energy to him that I think he is almost Broadway-esque energy um, to him that I think works to an extent you know granted the nepotism i'm glad that he's still on screen and i wish his father was still around to that would be a pretty interesting movie to have them both on screen um in the same movie but um anyways and alana kane i uh played by uh alana heim who is a musical artist with her sisters and she has such an interesting look to her. I think the the look of these two characters in the the two acts of these two characters, these two actors, um works so well into um who the characters they play. They are kind of unconventionally attractive, I think is the is the best thing I could say. Um, you know, the, their teeth aren't hundred percent straight, the camera's all up in their pores, you can see the acne on them. Um, they're perfectly imperfect in my mind for these roles. I, I don't think I could have cast it better. Like the casting in this is really spot on. Um, and so it is kind of a bit of a slice of life coming of age, uh, type comedy drama. I wasn't, I don't think I really laughed that much, but there are a couple times I chuckled. Um, the trailers really make it kind of seem like it's uh, it, it. The Oscars love time traveling back into the '60s and '70s, so I I can see why they already wanted him. Plus, they got Paul Thomas Anderson. Plus, they got Cooper Hoffman on there. So I just feel like there was a lot of and there's a lot of like star power coming behind it as well. Um, was it Tom Waits? No. No, that's not him. Okay, so, um, yeah, we kind of talked about uh, the majority of it before spoilers. I'm going to see if anything's bad. Um, yeah, so the plot's pretty pretty short, so let's hop into the plot. Like I said, 7 out of 10. Let me know what you thought about uh, the review. Let me know what you thought about you know the hustle and the bustle of the behind the scenes of what's going on with this movie. Did you agree with it? Did you not agree with it? Did it bother you? Do you think they should have just fixed it? Like, what... Let me know in the comments what you really thought about this movie. Um, and what do you think it actually should win? I think it's uh, it's got uh, receiving three nominations, I think I said. Best Picture, Best Director, and Best Original Screenplay. I don't, like, 
screenplay, I definitely do not think it should win, but it, it might. For me, I thought there was just entire scenes. I, I heard that some people thought 30 minutes could have been cut from the movie, and I don't blame them. Um, but that PTA just likes those long movies. So let's get into the plot. I would have expected you to have watched, listened, or whatever to the Licorice Pizza movie, and you're ready for spoilers. Again, you can get the full, unedited, uncut, full, realized, girthy review on patreon.com slash podcast. You can also support the podcast uh, using PayPal. All the social links are down below. Here's the plot. In 1973, San Ferdino Valley, 15-year-old actor Gary Valentine prepares for his high school picture day. He notices 25-year-old Alana Kane, a photographer's assistant, and strikes up a flirtatious conversation with her, as one does, right? Um, the thing is, she rebuffs his advances, but meets him for dinner, and they begin a friendship. Um... Which is kind of, like I said, still kind of weird. You didn't have to... She She's saying no this whole time, but he's so persistent, so she eventually, eventually is like, oh, yeah, I'll just go to dinner with a 15-year-old. Um, it's like she's old enough to be, like, babysitting him or something like that. I don't know. Can't even drive legally. Um, Gary attends auditions and prepares for a press tour attached to a film starring Lucy Doolittle. When Gary's mother, Anita, cannot take him to perform on the tour in New York, Alana chaperones him instead. Like I said, it's kind of weird that, you know, the age different. On the plane, Alana meets Lance, one of Gary's co-stars, and they begin dating, which I believe Lance is supposed to be like 15 as well. But they break up after an awkward dinner with Alana's family. And there is this weird kind of undertone of stating about being Jewish, having a Jewish nose, having a Jewish look. Um, coming from a 50% Jewish family, my grandfather used to joke about um, having a Jewish nose, which, quote-unquote, I think I, being Jewish myself, I, I was bar mitzvahed, even though I was not born into a Jewish family. I was adopted. Um uh, you know, he jokes about me not having uh, a strong Jewish nose sometimes because, you know, my blood comes from uh, South America majorly and um, Spain and uh, European um, nations as well. So <clears throat> we do in the family have talked about, you know, having Jewish aspects, you know, like maybe a Jewish laugh or a Jewish nose. And it's not so much as a derogatory thing. And in this movie, they kind of do this, this kind of song and dance again. It's almost like they kind of point it out, but they say, you know, you have like a really Jewish nose, but it's beautiful. You know, it's like, hmm, I'm not a hundred percent sure how I should take that. I know that a lot. I know some people, probably that aren't involved, regardless if you're involved in Judaism or not, uh, if you're practicing, um, then you're going to take it in a different stride. It For me, I was like, it doesn't feel like they're making fun of the quote-unquote Jewish aspects of being Jewish, having, you know, uh, an unconventional look maybe. Um, 
because I think that uh, Alana Alana Kane's character is is very gorgeous. Um, but it's like I'm I'm not really sure why even bring it up. It's kind of like the why even do the Japanese stereotype? Didn't have to bring it up. Why are they? 15 and 25 it's like age them up just fix it it's just like felt like easy fixes to just take it out remove it don't talk about it don't worry about it it's like what is this adding to the movie for me didn't add much those conversations didn't deter me from watching the movie but it did raise an eyebrow of like are we laughing at them with them or are we supposed to relate with it's like what what is even happening at this point so um yeah lance basically says he's an atheist and offends uh, Alana's entire family. And I think that is actually the, all of the Himes, the, the sisters in her family in the in the movie are her real sisters that she performs with in the band, I believe. And those are her real parents as well, which did feel very natural. I liked their uh, rapport, despite the, the Jewish nose talk type stuff. Um, and so... Gary starts a sec- and, and before I continue on, Gary is fawning over Alana this entire time. Um, you know, he he's still very much in love with her. He tells like his best friend that I found the girl I'm going to marry one day or something like that, and you're going to be my best man. You know, it's very persistent in that way. But Gary is just kind of seething his entire time that he's on screen when Alana is going on dates with this other, you know, one of his friends. And then he sees her going on other dates and hanging out with other dudes. He's constantly upset that it's not him. And it's like, all right. And and Alana is constantly hit on like almost different celebrities throughout the entire movie. Um, Paul Thomas Anderson is always bringing in his star power, so some you know, some of even the minor roles are still um, still covered by you know movie stars. Gary starts a successful waterbed company with Alana as an employee and assistant. It's kind of established that Gary might have a little bit of money under his belt, but it's like kind of the movie's not really trying to explore Gary getting out of like his house into a better situation. It's really not about that. It feels much more about Alana trying to do that, which is the interesting thing, even though Gary's the one with, you know, uh, the, the green thumb. And when I mean green thumb, I mean, he knows how to make money, not, not plant plants. Um, so Gary starts a successful waterbed company with Alana as an employee and assistant, while selling beds at an expo, he is falsely arrested on suspicion of murder and quickly released, which almost feels like it goes nowhere and just they just shot it because they thought it would look great in the trailer, which does make it look very much more interesting. But and there's some decent, you know, interesting camera work with it. But just like many parts of this movie, it felt like they could just take an entire scene of something happening and never have it mentioned again in the in the film. Um, which is so weird. It feels like there even could have been a longer cut of this movie of them doing random businesses and vignettes of stuff of them, uh, kind of going off in the sunset. But I was just like, this is a very bizarre movie with the, in regards of how it's, uh, laid out. So yeah, Gary's just like randomly arrested on suspicion of him being a murderer. 
Turns out wasn't him, doesn't matter, almost never talked about again. When Alana decides she wants to try to start acting, Gary's agent gets her an audition for a film starring Jack Holden, played by, um, what is that? Sean Penn. After her audition, Elena accompanies Holden to a restaurant, which Gary and his friends are also patronizing. Um, sorry, patronize, patron, patronizing, I think. Yeah, yeah. Film director Rex Blau convinces Holden, a motorcycle enthusiast, to recreate a stunt on a local golf course involving a jump over a fiery ramp. An inebriated Holden brings Alana along, but she topples off the bike. Gary runs to her to make sure that she is unhurt while Holden successfully performs the stunt. And there's a lot of Gary running around in this movie. I feel like Oscars see a main character framed in the middle of, you know, framed in a beautiful shot. And just like, holy shit, he's giving it his all. And they got the full Tom Cruise run. Him either running down the screen, running down the golf course. A lot of running for this guy. So... You can just tell how much he's like he cares about her, and there's times you're like, oh shit, he's gonna go in for the kiss. Oh my goodness, he's going in the kiss. It's like, wait, don't do that. Oh god, this is weird. Don't stop. You know, it's like uh, this is not right. And so the whole time you're like, oh god, I really hope they don't. It's like, oh god, they're gonna do it, and then you're like, oh, they pull it back, and then they're gonna do it. Oh god, they're gonna pull it back, and they're gonna do it. You know, it's like, what what am I even rooting for at this point? And so. A gas crisis sweeps the country, and the waterbed company fails, which they look like they were doing pretty well up until then. Um, the gas crisis, they had $4 gas back in um, the 70s, which is a little bit too relatable to the gas crisis we're sort of having now with these jacked-up prices from the Russia-Ukraine invasion. Um, let me see. So, and Alana sees the future on the the waterbed company going down the drain, uh, going down the drain, literally, um, because of the the way that the waterbeds are produced. And the lines at the gas station, oh my gosh, it, it makes me have PTSD about going to get gas today. It's like, what the fuck has even changed? <laughs> um, Gary, Alana, and Gary's friends, oh, and I think there's a, Nixon is on screen on one of the news um, channels that they're showing on in the movie. And he's talking about how we as Americans are going to have to like conserve gas. I'm like, oh shit, this is like deja vu almost too, a little bit too, too on the nose with that. Um, so yeah, the gas country swoops the country and the waterbed company fails. Gary, Alana, and Gary's friends make one final delivery to John Peter's house. Peters is a hairdresser in real life. John Peters is a hairdresser in real life turned to producer, and he dated apparently Barbara Streisand, which is kind of like a weird joke, just saying Streisand for multiple times as if it's a hilarious joke. Um, I was like, okay, this is not really that funny. Repeating something is not really my always my forte of a hilarious joke but anyways um peters apparently was the guy that was really obsessed with having a spider in films like a giant fucking spider so if you've ever seen uh, wild wild west um 
there's a reason there's that <laughs> that's going on in that shit. I think Peters was a producer. He also was uh, notoriously, apparently back in the day, doing a ton of blow um, based on Bradley Cooper's portrayal of him. And I like, really like Bradley Cooper's portrayal on him in this because he's just kind of off the wall brings this amazing energy and i'm like where's this energy been this entire movie kind of like this suspense of something could go wrong i felt like there wasn't really anything that i was like worried about until that character comes on screen and so uh yeah peters leaves to see a film but not before threatening to murder gary's brother if the group of teenagers sorry if the group damages his house and he's just sitting there like scolding the kid saying if you fuck up anything on this waterbed you're fucked and uh you're like oh god so after setting up the bed gary floods the house before leaving with alana they are waved down by an aggregate sorry agitated peters whose car has run out of gas. They drive him to a gas station where this is like the most suspense of the movie is like this truck uh, that they're driving around the waterbeds and stuff and delivering and is running low on gas. They only have so much. And then this guy, John Peters, is walking back because his car ran out of gas. It was, wasn't filled up like he thought. And he jumps in the in the ride and he's like hey can you take me to my car you know and uh let me go get some gas help me go get some gas he just kind of butts up into the the car makes himself all comfortable literally on top of uh alana and he's basically um not quite he's literally putting himself on her it's just like a lot to handle and it's another one of these like celebrity cameos that are like trying to like you know hit on alana in front of uh gary and it's like son of a bitch it's like this is like the third time this has happened to this guy and it's like i was mad for gary i was like god dang it gary fuck this guy up you know and so gary ends up uh, uh they they take bradley cooper to the gas station and um i'll give you the rest of it in there Peter leaves to see the film before... Okay, Okay, so Gary floods the house before leaving with Alana. They are waved down by agitated Peters, whose car has run out of gas. They drive him to a gas station where he threatens a customer. He just, like, instantly throws a gas can out of this guy. It's like, Latin-looking dude, and he's like, Fill it up, you bitch! I'm the one running this shit! It's like, oh, God, he's fucking... He's on some shit. Um, And he's literally just like a walking tornado. Um, so Alana and Gary leave him behind and Gary stops to attack Peter's car on the way back where the car had been like pulled over to the side cause it had run out of gas. He beats the shit out of the windshield. I was like, this is, this is too easy to know what's going to happen. I knew it was, it, it, the, the truck literally stalls right beside where Peter's car is and on this massive hill. And he's like, Oh fuck. When he jumps back in and he's like, Alana, let's leave. Um, and so the peters so gary stops to attack peter's car but they soon run out of gas as well so alana goes straight up uh licorice the fast and licorice the fast and the pizza the fast and the furious alana what do we got the pta and the furious 
uh, Tokyo Alana drift. It was, <laughs> there was the most interesting non-car chase chase that felt had me on pins and needles the entire time watching. And I was like, where was the suspense the entire time? Like the suspense of having Bradley Cooper literally see his car being destroyed or be destroyed and basically knowing that it was, um, you know, would he know that it was, uh, Gary and Alana. And so it's just like, what in the bejesus was the thinking so watching this this uh truck roll down backwards was amazing so alana is she get, kicks it into high gear she's like well, we we don't need roads where we're going all we need is family you know and licorice and pizza you know <laughs> so alana maneuvers the truck backwards down a hill to a gas station like i said one of she uses no gas the entire time and she's rolling backwards and the guys the, gary's friends are in the back of the truck they're like what the fuck is going on and they just feel this truck going like different directions and then she is just like so winded at the end of that uh that maneuvering in the fucking truck going backwards and her doing like a tail, 180 tail whip. It's like, straight skirt, skirt. So he like, damn, she's got the fucking moves. I was like, she just became a lot hotter in my eyes. I was like, God dang. Gotta love a individual that knows how to handle a big old truck, I guess. <laughs> Something about it. Um, seeking a direction in life. Okay, so before we go to the next, uh, to last scene, scenes, um, yeah, Alana is just like sitting on the sidewalk, like, what the fuck am I even doing here? And just, you know, uh, John Peters, Bradley Cooper's character, is just like walking by. It's like, it looks like it's like four or five in the morning at this point, and the sun's coming up. And um, I'm pretty sure he's like talking to these uh, these tennis players. He's like, oh, you, he, the first thing he asked them, like, it's just kind of like an offhand conversation. He's just like, do you like peanut butter and jelly or something like that? Do you like your peanut butter creamy or nutty? And it's like everything he was saying was like super um, sexualized, I guess. And he was like, you want to come over and work on your backhand? I mean, I was like, oh, God. They are making everything he says sound so provocative. So um, anyways, I was like, where is this even going by this point? So that's that was the most exciting part of the movie for me, honestly. Um, before I continue on, I gotta say there's like two or three amazing, like beautiful shots that I was like really thrown by. I think it was the Tom um, Tom Thwaites, uh, cam- sorry Tom Waits cameo or whatever when he go- he's walking through to talk uh, talk to Sean Penn and Alana at the table. He's like does this massive puff of smoke, and there's this one light that is lighting the. Um, the smoke and he like blew, you know blows through it and it's like a beautiful shot i was like holy shit that's a beautiful shot so now there's a couple handful of shots um that the cinematography just blew me away that was like all right if anything i didn't i wasn't crazy about the movie but i'd still like say there are some super memorable shots in here from a technical angle um so the cinematography was very very good um and so Seeking a direction in life outside of her friendship with Gary, Alana begins to work on the mayoral campaign of the city councilman, Joel Watts. Watts. Um, and I think you actually see his, played by Benny Safdie, 
Um, he was in good time. He's been a great actor in everything I've seen him in. Um, I think he's one of the brothers that directed Uncut Gems. I, I think it was the Safdie brothers. Very talented. And when I saw his face as a city councilman behind her, I think, in like the window or something, I was like, oh shit, he's definitely going to be a big character in this. You don't show that kind of clout without, you know, really going into it, um, into who that character is. And so it, it was true. She ends up going to work for this guy. Seeking a dir direction in life outside her friendship with Gary, Alana begins to work for the the mayoral campaign of the city councilman, jo Joel Watch. Um, Gary briefly joins her, but after overhearing that pinball will soon be legalized in the valley and uh, decides to open an arcade. I didn't even know that pinballs were, pinball machines were outlawed. Like, what the fuck? Um, you know, don't get too crazy on the pinball machines now, y'all. Um, and how did Gary get all this capital? I guess it was from the waterbeds and stuff like that. Gary must just be rolling in stacks at this point because he's walking around. He's got basically the arcade is a club for him. And, uh, you know, other women are starting to notice him at this point, kind of at the end tail end of the waterbed gigs. And so Gary's confidence does go up a little bit more because Alana does get a little bit more jealous of what he's doing and his success and she you know it he kind of, it kind of feels like alana wanted to make sure that gary was successful but not like more successful than her and especially from like a relationship standpoint um you know and it's interesting how gary is like trying to sell waterbeds at that one convention before he's arrested calling it the soggy bottom mattresses i'm like god dang what is the and, and they address it later saying it sounds like you got swamp ass in bed or something <laughs> it's like Ugh. so i i was like is this supposed to be a joke i guess i don't know so um in the sets in this movie the, the set design is is really good it's, it's really beautiful um so Gary and Alana argue, which feels like over half the movie. Gary mocks Alana's overcommitment to her work while Alana criticizes Gary's immaturity. As Gary prepares to open his arcade, Joel Watts invites Alana for a drink. It's like, oh God, here comes another guy trying to hit on Gary's quote-unquote girl. And it's not really Gary's quote-unquote girl because they're not really seeing each other, but it is like... I thought this was a will they won't they. It's like y'all no no commitments at all anymore. Um, it's more like a will they won't they work together. It's like because other than that they they are arguing so much to the point where it's like oh my gosh this is this is not even a it doesn't even feel romantic anymore. If it ever if if it was ever supposed to feel romantic, I felt like it was completely non romantic at this point because I was I was so uninvested um, in them trying to be together. Even at a, a right age, I don't even feel like they should be together. Um, so she arrives at the restaurant and learns Watts is gay. Watts asks Alana to pretend to be his partner, partner Matthew's girlfriend, and take him home, which hurts Matthew's feelings. Alana apologizes to Matthew that they share kind words at his house. Um, sorry, Matthew and apologize to Matthew and that they share. Oh yeah, Alana apologizes to Matthew and that, and they share kind words at his house. Alana goes to 
Gary's arcade to see him, but he has left to look for her at Watt's office. They reunite and head out, and sorry, and head for the arcade, where they kiss and run out into the night. Alana tells Gary that she loves him. I was like, "Are you serious?" At the end, I was like, "Are you freaking serious?" I was like, "Even like I've I've said this entire podcast." I was like, "Even if they are." at an appropriate age, if, even if he was 18 and she was 20 or something or 22, I was like, there, I didn't see the love at all. I was like, y'all have been almost trying to get back at each other because it's like, Oh, she dates his friend. And no, he's got to go find someone else and go get another job and go sell some water beds and make some money. It's like, what it, the, the will they won't they of this wasn't even there. Like I said, I super, super mixed feelings about this movie because it feels like such a high caliber acted such a high caliber writ the writing was good uh it didn't sweep me off my feet every time but you know it it very much got down to the core of like you know i want he's he's there's one line he says i want to spend my time with you it's like hmm you know gary has some really good game you know and he's trying his best um but i I was like my god even if they were at a, an appropriate age, I was like, this is a failed friendship relationship thing going on. I was like, whatever the fuck this is, it's, it, it shouldn't happen. It ain't happening. And it, it didn't work for me. And then when she says, I love you at the end, I was like, <laughs> I was like, Oh God, just, just stop me now. Just stop the, stop the ride. You know, I want off. <laughs> uh, and so I had some feelings on Twitter kind of in the same realm, you know, of, talking about the problems of this movie. I was like, this is so bizarre. But um, anyways, let me know what you thought about Licorice Pizza. Again, you can be listening to this podcast and other podcasts early on patreon.com slash podcasts. You might be listening or watching on YouTube. You might be listening on SoundCloud. Be sure to check out all the social medias. You can join the Discord. You can join the Facebook, whatever is popular of the time. Definitely follow us on Twitter. we got some Uh, interesting tweets when we get our fresh takes out but yeah thank you for listening watching look it out podcast let me know what you thought about the licorice pizza review the movie the controversy behind it It, let's see what it wins at the oscars again that's why i'm kind of covering all these oscar nominated